Girlfriends, episode number 188, Making Family Prayer Time Happen. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we are talking about that perennial problem of family prayer time and how to make it happen on a regular basis. Can't wait to talk about this important topic. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? Thanks for being here. Thanks for showing up for another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Greetings from the Tiki Hut I believe this is the first show that I'm recording out in my Tiki Hut this season, and that is a shame. For those of you who aren't familiar, I've shared in the past um, that on our property, we have a Tiki Hut. Yes, here in the frozen tundra of New Hampshire, my husband built a Tiki Hut on our property a few years ago. All right, I'll share. It was seven years ago when I turned 40. And um, I had a party at the house here and he built this tiki hut as part of like the party. And it's actually a permanent structure. (laughs) He poured concrete and everything. So it's this nice little uh, tiki hut. It doesn't have walls. It has beams on the sides and it has a thatch roof and a bar. And I love this spot. It's a very peaceful spot. It's a beautiful spot. Three seasons out of the year anyway. Um, And I, I... recorded many episodes of a couple years ago inside the Tiki Hut, but for some reason I just haven't done it yet this year. So I'm glad to be out here on this beautiful kind of end of the summer day where it's not too hot, but it is absolutely beautiful and sunny and mostly quiet here in the Tiki Hut. You may hear my dogs running around. When I start recording, they go nuts. It's kind of weird. I don't know if they sense my energy or if I'm using my Danielle is podcasting voice and they respond to that somehow. There are only two of them, but sometimes they manage to sound like 47 dogs. (laughs) Anyway, that's my dog mom saga. But today we're going to be talking about making family prayer time happen. Now, this came from a listener who emailed me. Amy wrote to me, help, we are failing at praying together as a family. How can I get my act together so it actually happens on a regular basis? I know it's important to pray together as a family, but it winds up being the last thing I think of every day, especially since the kids have gone back to school. The kids have sports and homework, and I just find myself running out of time each evening. Do you have any ideas to help Amy? Well, thank you, Amy, for your question, and know that I am right there in that battle with you and have been for many years, for as long as we've been a family, this has been a battle. And I think that's just the way it is. So understand that a lot of people share this struggle. So don't feel bad about the fact that you're struggling with it. I'm glad you reached out because you know what? I kind of need the kick in the pants right now to be making family prayer time happen on a regular basis. When seasons shift and our schedules change, sometimes things drop off the schedule, like your regular family prayer times, and that shouldn't be happening. So your email was kind of a a wake-up call to me as well. And these tips that I'm going to be sharing are a reminder to myself as much as anybody else about the importance of praying together as a family. It's important. And so that's why we feel guilty when we're not, you know, meeting the standard that we think we should with regard to praying together as a family. But it's not uh, something that we should be always beating ourselves up about. I think, you know, give yourself permission to be where you are and um, start where you are. So let's talk about some of my ideas for how to make family prayer time happen on a regular basis. So Amy, these are for you and for everyone else and for me too. First tip, plan ahead. 
and this is where I'm going to be starting too, looking at your schedule. Look where it makes sense. I, you mentioned evening times are hectic in your household. So Amy, maybe that's not where you're going to be praying as a family successfully. Maybe it's going to be in your morning routine. Maybe it's going to be something you do at midday with younger kids who are at home or um, you know, look for where it makes sense with your schedule. And it might be that evening time makes sense, but building it in first. See, this is how we set up our life in accordance with what we say our priorities are, is we build around those things that are we say are most important. If we say that prayer time is important, then put it in your schedule and let those other things fall in around it rather than the other way around, which I totally get because I've done it too, where everything else is jammed into the schedule. And then you think, well, where can I possibly fit in family prayer time? It doesn't work, right? So starting with family prayer time, perhaps, um, find a time that makes sense for you. And it might be in the morning. I know for years, and we don't do this anymore because people get up at all different times. But for years when we were all getting up at pretty much the same time, we would all pray together in the morning. We would add a morning offering and some other prayers to our grace at breakfast time. And that was a beautiful time inside of our family life. And I love thinking back on those memories of that morning prayer time that we shared together. So it may be in the morning. It may be after school. You mentioned kids in school and sports and whatnot. Maybe there's a little gap in time when the kids get home from school before they're taking off for other activities. Then perhaps that's the time that you would pray together as a family. But if you don't plan it ahead, this is the thing, and this is what you're discovering through your experience right now, is that if you don't plan ahead, it doesn't happen. It's not on the schedule. The stuff on the schedule happens, right? Soccer practice happens because it's on the schedule. And PTA meetings happen because they're on the schedule. So put it on your schedule. Um, you can physically write it in on the calendar. Um, but I really recommend at least spending some time thinking about where it makes sense to place it in your routine. And maybe it makes sense to do it, you know, there's probably a point every evening, and I know I've done this before, where you're kind of gathering kids and getting them, you know, ready to start their bedtime routine, whether it's taking showers or brushing teeth, putting on pajamas, picking up toys, all those things we do at the end of the day. Maybe it's at the start of that routine. Maybe you gather everybody, pray together, and then start those bedtime routines. I don't know what's going to work best for you, but you do. And I want to encourage you to plan it. So plan ahead. And, you know, this is a time of year where your schedules are shifting. You mentioned going back to school and that kind of threw you off. But that's an opportunity as well because you have a new schedule, an opportunity to insert things that are important to you inside of this new schedule. Um, another thing with regard to scheduling it is maybe you want to set a timer to remind you. I've done this um, with varying degrees of success throughout the years where I set a timer on my phone and it goes off at the same time each night. I've experimented 7 p.m. seemed too early. Right now I have it set at 8 p.m. That's the time when it goes off. And you will find that you're in the middle of other things. There's other stuff going on. People are immersed in homework projects or um, maybe in the middle of watching a TV show or whatever it is. But I find having that timer remind me is helpful. Not that necessarily you have to drop everything and immediately pray when the timer goes off, but it's just a little nudge. It's a little prayer reminder to make sure you're making time for that before the end of your day, making sure it's one of the things that's on your list of to-dos before bedtime. It works very similarly to, um, I've mentioned the Hallow Prayer app, H-A-L-L-O-W. That's a prayer app that I really enjoy using. And 
um, that has an option where you can just set it to remind you to pray throughout the day. And I have mine set for noontime. And I'm often surprised. It's just, a you know, it doesn't make a ding or anything. It's just this little reminder that pops up on my phone. And I've been surprised by the moments in which it nudges me and it just says, quick reminder to pray. And I love how casual that is. And maybe you want to make your timer be like that so it's not being too demanding of you or that you're not feeling guilty if you can't drop everything and pray right in that moment. But I like the little nudge. I like the little reminder, like, hey, make sure you're getting this done. Make sure this is one of the things that you're going to be doing before the end of today. Um, So you might want to set up a prayer reminder that's a friendly nudge, a friendly reminder, not necessarily something that's going to overwhelm you. But really, that that's key. Planning ahead and um, having a plan in place for when it makes the most sense. Not that every time it's going to work out perfectly. Not that you're not ever going to miss a day. Great if you don't. But, you know, life happens and that's understandable. But having it in place, you know, you make time every day for, you know, taking a shower and for having meals and other things that we know and recognize are a priority. And we set an example for our kids about these things that we make a priority that, you know, it would be very much extenuating circumstances for you to have them skip brushing their teeth before they went to bed. So prayers should be in that same category. And I'm saying this as a reminder to myself as much as everyone else. Don't think I'm just admonishing you. I completely understand the struggle to do this. So having a plan in place, planning ahead makes it much more likely that you're going to be a success in making family prayer time happen. It's not something that just happens. Right. Sometimes I think we approach it that way, that it's like a spontaneous thing like, oh, geez, we never seem to pray together as a family. Well, have you ever planned to pray together as a family? Have you ever put a plan in place for when and how you might do it? Do that first. So reminder, plan ahead. All right. Number two. Know that it doesn't have to look a certain way. This is huge because we do this to ourselves, don't we? In so many ways, in so many different areas of our life, we women, in particular women, I think, tend to set up an ideal in our minds of what it should look like. And perhaps there's one particular family and you you know how they pray together each night and how it goes and they light a prayer candle and they say the rosary or whatever it is, whatever beautiful and inspirational example you might be thinking of. But we set that up sometimes as a way that it it, it should be it has to be a certain way. And that kind of blocks us because we're having trouble reaching that ideal right from the start. But know that your family is unique. So your family prayer time will also be unique. You're going to have your own preferences. You're going to have your own challenges. You're going to have your own schedule, your own circumstances. So your prayer time doesn't have to look a certain way. And that's okay. (laughs) We need to make our peace with that. However, you know, inspiring and beautiful and perfect, you might think someone else's example of family prayer time looks. And it's great to aspire to that and have that as a goal. But, you know, know that your family prayer time is going to be unique to you. And God has a plan for the ways in which he wants you to be making efforts to pray together as a family. And it might look very different from what you have in mind. So know that it doesn't have to look a certain way. Don't put yourself inside of that box, which can be very constricting because sometimes you might meet that goal of how you think it should look of a certain way. And then the times when you don't, you're going to be, you know, beating yourself up about it, or it's going to more often than not, not work out that particular way. And you're going to be feeling toward family prayer time, like it's a negative thing. So know that it doesn't have to look a certain way. And there are, you can find people who would tell you it has to look a certain way. I know I have been the victim of such people and uh, it's not pleasant and it's not true. Okay. So know that God wants you to pray together as a family. He's going to bless the efforts you make. 
toward that end and that your family is unique. So be open to some of the ways in which family prayer time might look different. And that might mean, like I already mentioned, it happening at a different time of the day. Okay, number three is kind of related. Know that it changes over time. Your family prayer life is going to change over time. I mentioned that when all of our kids were little and they were homeschooling and we were all getting up at exactly the same time, that morning prayer time made a lot of sense for us and it worked and it was beautiful. But that's not my life anymore. That's not where we are anymore. And I know that I struggled to make those changes in our family prayer life. I struggled with the idea that not everybody was going to be home at the same time for family prayers. And I kind of had to make my peace with that to be able to do family prayer time at all, because I found that, you know, for certain times, certain phases of our family life, I was kind of just waiting for everything to fall into place and for it to be perfect and for it to be able to work out like it did before. Well, guess what? That was never going to happen. So I was kind of permanently pushing the pause button on our family prayer life. Make sure you're not doing that. Know that it changes over time and that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. It can be a great model for your kids of adapting your prayer life to suit your circumstances, whatever stage in life you're at. So it might mean that your your time of day changes. It might mean the kinds of prayers you say together as a family change. It might mean that you know, you're you're no longer able to spend as much time praying together as a family. It might mean that some days there are only a couple of you who are present for it, but that's okay. Making sure that you're setting yourself up as much as possible with scheduling ahead of time for success with regard to family prior time, but then being open to the changes that might happen along the way that you can't control these changes. And so, like I said, I struggled a lot to adapt to the fact that when I had bigger kids, sometimes they were working, sometimes they had sports that were going late, and I still had little kids who were going to be going to bed. So it didn't make a ton of sense for me to try to find that magic golden moment when we would all be together and ready to pray in the evenings. And so I kind of made my peace with the idea that it's going to happen around this time every evening, and I'm going to gather up whoever is here. And you know what? Sometimes also that has meant being open to the fact that sometimes your big kids are going to push back on you. And sometimes it makes perfect sense to push back on their pushback and say, no, you get your butt in this chair right now. We are doing family prayers. I know my parents very much did that for me growing up. And it was, it was a huge blessing to kind of have that example from them of you know, mandatory family prayer time, but not in a way that was overly demanding of my schedule. Um, so for sure, there there were times when they forced me and I was not in the best of moods about it. I know as a, sully, a sullen teenager, um, kind of bratty, I'm sure. Sorry, mom. Anyway, that they forced me, like we're going to say a family rosary right now. And I would like roll my eyes and like, this is the last thing in the world I want to do. And, you know, some of that is normal, but then um, it's your role as a parent to enforce standards. And that doesn't mean, it means finding, uh, you know, a balance. It doesn't mean enforcing standards that aren't reasonable. And for sure, many of our teenagers have really full schedules and they are really busy and they are really tired and they are doing a lot of homework and sports and other activities and they do need their sleep. So not making a huge demand on their time, but, you know, spending five, 10 minutes praying with the family is not a huge demand of their time. It's a reasonable standard to set, but know that their their needs and preferences change. Your kids' needs and preferences change, as do yours, depending on your work schedule, and as do your husband's, depending on um, when and how he's working and what else is going on in your life. So know that family prayer time changes over time. And in that 
is not something to fight against. It's not something to embrace and say, oh, well, we don't have time for it anymore. No, this is not what I'm saying. But it is an opportunity to model for your kids being adaptable inside of your prayer life, showing them different kinds of prayer, showing them different ways of praying together and the ways that those might change over time, depending on your circumstances. So um, look at it as an opportunity to kind of teach your kids those important things. Number four, start small and start where you are. This is huge, and it's related to some of the other things I've already talked about. But so many times we are making that perfect the enemy of the good. This is an ongoing theme here at Girlfriends because I know this is something that I tend to do when left to my own devices. And I know it's something many women uh, are tempted to do, with not only with regard to their family prayer time, but with regard to any any goal we might set. We let the perfect become the enemy of the good. And, and by that, I mean, we become paralyzed in the face of this almighty goal we have set for ourselves. And we fail to act on the good, smaller, lesser things that we might be able to do because we don't feel like we can do that perfect thing yet. Well, guess what? None of us starts at that perfect place. That's not how life works. So, Rather than saying I can't do anything because I can't do this perfect thing yet, start where you are. Figure out where you are. Uh, Big thing too, forgive yourself for where you are. Family prayer time is not going to be a positive thing for you or for your family if it's something you are using to beat yourself up with, right? Like, oh, we're doing family prayers tonight and it's completely motivated by your self-loathing because you haven't done this in a long time or you've never done it and you feel guilty about it. Make it a positive thing. Start where you are. Are you saying grace before meals? If not, start there. Just say grace before your meals when you're eating together as a family. Um, Or are you saying bedtime prayers already? Then, you know, start there. Start with that regular routine if you want to be adding to it. But if you're not, there's where you can start. And it can be as simple as, you know, having your kids join you in praying an Our Father before they go to sleep. A beautiful example to set for them. Very small, very simple. Takes less than a minute. So you can do that. So forgive yourself for where you are. Don't be beating yourself up about this because that kind of negative energy is going to translate into how you communicate about this with your family. It's going to be the vibe that your kids are picking up on when you're talking about family prayer time and the kinds of demands that you are making of them and the standards that you're setting. Make it a positive thing for yourself and for your family in that you're going to set a reasonable goal for yourself. You're going to start where you are. You're going to forgive yourself for where you are. You're going to start where you are, and you're going to do that one small thing that you can do. So start where you are. And um, this is something that's a helpful reminder to you all, because sometimes what we do is we set up the rosary, the family rosary, as this gold standard of family prayer. And it is. It's a great prayer to pray together as a family. If you can make that a habit and part of your family routine, of course, it's a wonderful thing for you to be doing together. But sometimes that's the perfect that we set up as the enemy of the good that we can do. So here's your reminder. You can pray just one decade of the rosary. It's allowed. And I know I personally have had times where I'm inspired to pray the rosary together as a family. I want to do it. I have the time to do it. I am motivated to get my family to do it, but I'm hesitating to even ask them because I know the pushback I'm going to get about the amount of time that it takes. And I understand that. I mean, that is an investment of time. It's a full 20 minutes and um, it can get up to 45 if you count all the time it takes to gather everyone in the same place and get started and hand out the rosaries and the prayer books and whatnot. So I completely understand that. Um, So it's very freeing to think, well, 
we can pray just one decade of the rosary together. And then if I want to pray the whole thing, I can complete it on my own. Start there. And you won't get the eye rolls and the pushback if you're starting at a very reasonable place. And it's a wonderful way to teach your kids the habit of praying the rosary and teach your kids that kind of flexibility about praying the rosary. You can keep one in your pocket and you can pray a decade. You can pray just a few of the Hail Marys wherever you are in your day. You can be flexible about it in that way. So start wherever you are and start with what you can do. Start with what feels doable, doing a little bit. One little prayer before bedtime, one little prayer in the morning, perhaps, one little prayer before you eat dinner together. Look for ways to do that. And and no, give yourself permission to do one small part of this excellent, perfect, good thing you have in mind, because that's where you start. That's where it begins, taking that one first small step forward. And sometimes that's all the momentum that you need to start making a daily habit. If you make it a habit to just start with saying an Our Father before the kids go to bed, as you're tucking them in at night and saying goodnight or whatnot, um, then it can grow from there. That produces an opportunity for it to grow. You're, you're beginning a habit that you can work on. You're beginning a habit that you can add to. So I'm not saying that big goal, that ideal, that perfect that you have in mind, you're never going to get there. Well, we won't get to perfect on this side of heaven. That's a fact. But that you're not going to achieve these things, that these goals that you have in mind, but that you have to start where you are. You have to start somewhere. And really the biggest obstacle sometimes is making that first move, taking that first step toward doing it. So start small and start where you are. All right, number five, be creative. And this applies to everybody, but I'm especially thinking of those with little kids because sometimes I hear from people who say, we can't do family prayer time because my kids are too disruptive. Well, then you're doing it wrong for them. And that doesn't mean you can't have an expectation of kids sitting quietly and, and praying for a little bit out of their day. But if you're you're setting the standard where family prayer time has to be this uninterrupted rosary or litany or whatever it is that you have in mind, then yeah, maybe you're not doing it right for the young people that you have charge of. So one example that came to mind when I was thinking about this was uh, years ago, I used to have this set, and I, I probably still have it somewhere, I haven't pulled it out in a while, um, of laminated cards with these beautiful images of the mysteries of the rosary. And I would hand those out to the kids whenever we prayed the rosary, little kids, because they can hold them, they can touch them, they can leaf through them. And that's their way of praying the rosary, reflecting on and looking at these pictures pictures of Jesus and Mary's life. That's what the rosary is all about, right? Meditating on those mysteries of the rosary. So here's an age appropriate way that they can do that. And I found that that worked really well. And was a great way for kids to be doing something hands-on that was very much also teaching them how to pray the rosary. So things like that. Um, you can also be creative and switch out who's going to lead family prayers. Some of our greatest family prayer times have been when we called on a, a young, young kid, a small kid to lead prayers and say, how would you like to pray tonight? And be inspired by what they might say. That doesn't mean putting your kids on the spot necessarily, though. My husband, Dan, is great at doing that. He'll call on a kid and have them recite a prayer or lead us in a prayer as a sneaky way of seeing if they have that prayer mastered. <laughs> but that aside, you don't want to necessarily be putting kids on the spot, but in a way that's sort of a position of honor. Like, how about you lead prayers tonight? Um, a great way to find out what's on your kids' hearts and minds. Um, another creative way that I think keeps kids engaged and teaches them a new way of praying is um, oftentimes when we pray together as a family, we will pray some rote prayers, some memorized prayers together. 
in whatever way that looks. And then Dan will have each kid like take a turn, go around and say one thing that they're thankful for and one thing they want to ask God for. And so first of all, it's it's teaching them and us all. It's underscoring that idea of, you know, prayer is multi- multiple things. And two of the parts of prayer are petition, asking God for things. Sometimes we get stuck in that though. And gratitude, thanking God for things, giving God praise for good things. Um, so in addition, that also is a way that everyone participates in their own way. I think it also teaches kids that there are different ways of praying different ways of approaching prayer. We don't just, you know, recite these memorized prayers. We also, you know, we we might also pray to the saints or pray to Mary, but then having this opportunity kind of an organized way to give thanks to God for something and to ask God for something also kind of opens us up to one another. Prayer is a very intimate thing. And this is why I hear from people sometimes who struggle to pray together as a family or pray as a couple, because it's very intimate. And sometimes it feels deeply personal. And there are parts of your prayer life that are going to remain just that very personal. But this is a way for you to bond together as a family, grow together as a family. Finding out what your six-year-old might be thanking God for today is a great way for you to find out what's going on in his little heart. And, you know, finding out what your 23-year-old is praying for today, another way to find out about what's going on in their lives, what they're worried about, what they want to bring to God. And then you have the power to be bringing that to God together as a family. It's really a beautiful example to set for them. So just look for different ways to be creative about it. You know, this relates to the one where I was saying it doesn't have to look a certain way. Be open to some different creative ideas about ways that you might pray together and the places in which you might pray. Now, this is going to bring me into my last one, which is take advantage of small moments in your family's routine to pray. Family prayer time, for sure, like I said at the start, you should have it scheduled in your day. You should have a time when you're planning to do it if you're going to be successful in making it happen. But that said, there are going to be other moments in your day where you have the opportunity to pray together as a family, maybe even just pray with one of your kids, pray with a couple of your kids. Look for those opportunities for praying out loud together, for voicing your own prayers. This is one that I think is a beautiful way that we moms can model prayerful attitudes throughout our day is if we give voice to those moments in our lives where we are prompted to pray. So if you're particularly grateful for something that just happened, you know, give thanks to God out loud for that. Or ask one of your children to join you in in saying a prayer of thanksgiving to God for this good thing that just happened, this good news that you just received. Or alternately, if there's something you're struggling with, let your kids see you bringing that to God. Invite your kids in to pray about that. We've done that before where we've received some difficult news or we're worried about somebody. And I'll just invite the kids to pray a Hail Mary together for that person or for that intention. We, we join together and do that. Another place where you might end up praying with your kids, and this has been a favorite of mine over the years, is when you're in the car together, when you're traveling. This is where we find ourselves, right? This is why we're too busy for family prayer time, because we're on the road and we're driving to all the things. So take advantage of that. I used to keep a box of rosaries in my 12-passenger van. That was a very typical Catholic mom move. But it was very handy to be able to just hand those out. And I've got a couple in my car today. Um, You know, look for those opportunities where you're going to be in the car anyway. Take advantage of that. Invite your kids to pray. My mom set a beautiful example of this when we were young, where whenever we were leaving the driveway, she would lead us in saying a a Hail Mary, you know, asking for 
blessing on our trip, asking for protection on our trip, even if it wasn't a big trip. But that kind of instilled in me the habit of looking for those opportunities, of turning different little, even small parts of our day toward God, turning our days over to God, one one little task, one little errand at a time. Even if it's just, you know, praying a Hail Mary when you hear an ambulance. I know this is a habit that many people have cultivated in themselves and in their families over the years. Look for an opportunity or when you're, you know, passing by a church, encourage your kids to develop the habit of, you know, making the sign of the cross and talking about Jesus's presence there in the church. Tiny moment takes a fraction of a second to do. And yet I think it is a powerful example to our kids and a powerful way to bring prayer and turn our minds and our hearts toward God in everything we're doing every day. So look for ways to find out where God might be calling you to draw closer to him inside of your family routines. It doesn't have to be an official family prayer time. I do recommend setting up a time for that and scheduling time for that. But then in addition to that, look for ways to be inserting prayer into your everyday moments together as a family. That's how God works. He works with you where you are. He knows everything that's going on. He knows how busy you are. He knows how you struggle to do this. Look for ways that there might be tiny moments in your day where you can insert just one sentence of prayer, one quick Hail Mary, a prayer to somebody's guardian angel, and, and you know, be giving voice to those thoughts as they're running through your head. As an example to your kids, big kids and little kids alike can benefit from that example of turning toward prayer in all of our joys and all of our sorrows and all of our challenges and all of our trials and all of our blessings. That ultimately is what God wants for us, right? He wants us to be turning to him every moment throughout the day. That's our goal. Our goal is to be growing in our relationship with God so that that becomes as natural as breathing, that we're connecting with God throughout our days. So look for ways in which you can train your kids up and even the big ones, give them that example of turning to God in prayer throughout your day. That's all that, that's what it's all about is teaching them to have that relationship with God because that's what prayer is about. Having that relationship with God that you want to be as natural as breathing. Well, start where you are. And if you have trouble doing that, then, you know, start there. Start by praying at the start of your day that God will show you the moments where you have the opportunity to do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you toward prayer wherever it might fit into your day, wherever it might be a good opportunity to pray together as a family or as part of a family, right? God says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. He means, even if it's just one of one of your kids or if it's just you and your husband or, you know, just that's okay. That is family prayer. It can start right there. So look for ways to do that. Look for small moments. Take advantage of those small moments throughout your day. So those are my ideas for how to make family prayer time actually happen. Thank you, Amy, for asking the question, because I know this is something that uh, many of us struggle with. So it's a very good question, a good topic for us to take up here. So just to recap my thoughts on making family prayer time actually happen. First of all, plan ahead. Put it in your schedule. It's not going to happen if it's not in there. Number two, know that it doesn't have to look a certain way. Number three, know that it changes over time and that's okay. Number four, start small and start where you are. 
Number five, be creative about family prayer time. Be open to new ways of doing it. And number six, take advantage of those small moments where prayer can happen in your day. Those are my thoughts, but I bet you have thoughts about family prayer time. Is this something that you struggle with? Is this something that perhaps you've noticed has changed in your family over time? I would love to be inspired by your example. I would love to know what the story of family prayer time has looked like in your home, in your family. You can send me an email Uh, danielle at daniellebean.com or leave me a voicemail at that email address or connect with me on social media. I would love it if you would share your family prayer time stories with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know how to find me. I've got some listener feedback coming up, but first a quick break. Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista. When I became Catholic, I had a really hard time understanding the role Mary was supposed to play in my life. So I went to her and I told her, I just don't get it. I need your help. And guess what? Mary did just that. She showed me a way to pray that has revolutionized my entire life. Mary has been called the mother of listening. She didn't just hear the word. She knew how to hear it in light of her own relationships, circumstances, and habits. And then she let the word transform her. I realized that I had to share what I was learning about Mary's way of praying with others. So I wrote How to Pray Like Mary, a step-by-step guide to discovering God's voice in the scriptures and letting Him transform your heart. I invite you to learn more about How to Pray Like Mary at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. Welcome back. I'm going to be sharing a little bit of feedback now from listener Jillian, who sent me this note on Facebook. Jillian said, I'm a newbie runner just getting started. And I noticed that you recently ran a half marathon with your daughter. Congratulations. I wonder if you would have any recommendations for where I begin. Jillian, thank you for your question. Congratulations on deciding to become a runner. And I mean, running is something I have enjoyed in various ways, in varying degrees over the years. And you mentioned that half marathon. Um, I spent a great deal of time training for that and um, getting prepared for that race. And that was a fun little project for me. Um, So I would suggest, Jillian, for you, um, beginning as a newbie runner, is figure out what you like. You know, what's going to work for you? Because I can recommend something that I've enjoyed, whether it's a program or, you know, a website or, you know, a certain kind of training regimen or something. But I like it, but that doesn't mean you would like it. Do you know what I'm saying? There are so many different resources out there for runners. So I would suggest browsing around a little bit, maybe following um, some Facebook or Twitter or Instagram accounts. There's tons of them that are uh, based on running. I know there's a Catholic women's group. I think it's called Catholic Women Run don't quote me on that. Might be Catholic women running. I'm sure if you Google it, it will come up. Um, That might be a nice way to start and incorporate your faith inside of your running regimen, whatever it's going to look at. But very practically speaking, I think it is great when you're a a first-time runner, when you're a newbie runner, to start with something like the Couch to 5K program. Um, That may or may not be the one that you like, but there are a few different ones out there. I like it because it kind of, it takes you by the hand (laughs) sitting on the couch. Really, it starts there. It's as basic and as simple as that. And it doesn't make any assumptions about your fitness level or anything. And it's a very gentle start into a running regimen to just incorporate some running in your life. And it starts with a blend of walking and running. So Couch to 5K very much takes you from sedentary lifestyle 
on a day by day workout, you know, you're following their, their workouts, um, to being able to run a 5k, which is 3.1 miles, which is awesome. Um, so something like that, I think can be a very organized way to get started. And I find that it, it can be helpful to have a program like that. Um, I, I'm not currently using anything like that. And I've gone through various phases inside of my, my running life as a mom where, um, I've used different programs and whatnot. And it's really about finding what feels, feels good for you. Um, right now I'm just, you know, running when I want to and how I want to not training for a particular event or anything like that. But having a program in the beginning, I think can be a very gentle way of getting started because the temptation sometimes is to want to start out just running that 5k. And that can be a way to injure yourself. It can be a way to make running so exceedingly unpleasant for yourself that you want to quit it. Um, so I would recommend finding a program like that. And like I said, couch to 5k is a great one. You can get an app and it is so easy. It just kind of walks you through the workouts. And I love that it incorporates running and walking because that's allowed. Sometimes we have these mental barriers set up. Like I can't say I'm going for a run and then walk for part of it. Yes, you can. And that's a great way to begin to train to to do more, to gain strength as a runner and not injure yourself. So I really recommend programs like that. I, I, I recommend that one in particular just because I've had experience with it myself and I know it's good, but there are lots of different ones out there and it can be overwhelming. Um, so I would also recommend, uh, Jillian, that if you really want to make this a habit in your life, that maybe you do it with a friend, whether it's a friend that's actually physically running with you or just a friend that you're checking in with and kind of sharing workouts with and saying, hey, I did this today and giving each other congratulations. There are different apps where you're able to do that. But even if it's just a friend that you text, say, hey, I did two miles this morning and I only stopped once or whatever it is, like having that to be able to share with a friend is actually really fun. I experienced that in training for the half marathon with my daughter, um, that it was fun to just be checking in with her about our training. And that was motivating in and of itself. So look for a way to do that. And, and no, Jillian, there's no one right way to do it. There, there isn't. You can call yourself a runner if you run one mile one day a week you know, it's okay. You don't have to set these, you know, hard standards for yourself, but um, being gentle with yourself at the start and then looking for ways to motivate yourself to make it a regular part of your life can be really beneficial. So that's how I recommend that you start. If listeners have other apps or other items that you absolutely love and you're dying to share it with a new runner, uh, let me know and I'll be glad to share it on an upcoming episode of Girlfriends so that Jillian and others can benefit from all the running goodness. Okay, next up, I heard from listener Eleanor this week. Um, Eleanor wrote, and I edited her email because um, she shared a lot of a lot of details that you all don't need to know about. But um, she said, thank you so much for your recent episode, How to Cope with Hard Change. I'm not in the same season of life with a child going off to college, although if it's still available, I would totally listen to this episode again in years to come. However, there has been monumental change in my life over the past three months. And this episode helped me to cry. I laughed, I cried, it moved me, Bob, and reflect as well as focus on gratitude and moving on. So then she shares about making a move back across the country to be close to family, multiple changes with her husband's work situation and her own. And then at the end, Eleanor shares this episode also reaffirmed letting some things go and giving myself grace. I'm a neat freak and our basement suite has been a complete mess this week. I was 
it was out of necessity, but I'm now going to allow myself to slowly get back to keeping things orderly. Thanks again, Danielle, Eleanor. Thank you, Eleanor, for sharing that perspective because I really was hopeful that that episode, which was a couple of episodes back, if you haven't heard it, you can go back, just click back a couple episodes and you can hear that one about how to cope with hard change. But it was my hope in recording that, that it could be applicable to many different kinds of life change. Um, One that many of us are struggling with are kind of the back to school, whether it's a kid going to kindergarten or a kid going to college, those kinds of things this time of year. But there are lots of different kinds of hard change and moving back across the country and job changes and living with in-laws and that sort of thing is definitely challenging. So I'm glad that the things that I shared are helpful to you. And I like that last note that you gave Eleanor about giving yourself grace, because I think that is probably the most important thing. And the one thing that all of us need the reminder to do, especially when we're going through something hard, give yourself grace, give yourself opportunity to adapt to the change that's going on in your life. And I love the example that you share, Eleanor, of your living space getting out of order and that's not your usual way of doing things. Right. That's just a part of this transition right now. It's it's a symptom of other things that are going on in your life. And it's okay for this particular season, for this particular time. And you will get back to where you were. You're, you're still the same person and you're going to get back to that. But giving yourself that, that grace of letting some things go. So important that we remember that. So thank you for taking the time to email Eleanor and let me know that that episode was helpful to you. If others want to share their feedback for an upcoming episode, episode, whether it's a story you want to share related to this week's theme or a response to other people's input here on Girlfriends, I would love to include you in a future show. So you can email me danielle at daniellebean.com or my favorite, you can record a voicemail and send it to me at that email address. I would love to hear from you. All right, that's all the time we have for today, but you know what to do. If you enjoy Girlfriends, I would love it if you would give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or just share the love with a friend. Let somebody know that you enjoy Girlfriends. If you enjoy it, others would too. So let people know about it. We're always looking to grow our community here, always looking for new listeners, new ways to reach people, new ways to support and affirm people in Catholic living. So tell a friend, if you enjoy girlfriends, tell a friend, be a gift to that person and encourage them to join our community here at the Girlfriends Podcast. I want to thank you for all the ways that you encourage me with your feedback and the different ways that you connect with me outside of the podcast. But mostly, I just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Girlfriends. It means the world to me that you take the time out of your busy week to connect with me here on the podcast. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. Mm-hmm.